Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. And times throughout the course of these these years, and how many of you here were for the chairless Sunday? I don't know if you saw when the pews were gone and the chairs were here, what happened? They delayed delivery. Said, oh, well, you know, the storm, I said, lady... I just pulled every pew I got out of here, and I need those chairs. I said, well, sir, they're not going to make it by Sunday. So we grabbed every folding chair, and we said, I wish I would have taken it on a Sunday because we had lawn chairs, we had Texans chairs, we had Cowboys chairs. It, it was pack your own chair Sunday. But what I've learned in, in life way before I started pastoring was the rule about flexibility and trusting God for timing and provision in everything that we do. And all I can say is God has been faithful to this house. It's not that Pastor Noe knows everything he's doing and his strategy works. God's plan works for his church. And we count it a privilege to co-labor with what he's doing in the life of Harvest Time Church. And uh, I, I really believe with confidence that I can say the best of Harvest Time Church is still yet to come. The plan of, of in God's heart for Harvest Time Church, it's still unfolding. It's still being unraveled. And uh, I thank you so much for being here with us today to celebrate uh, what we, where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. So 35 years, I was two years old when this church was built. So how old is he? You can figure it out. Easy math, right? I was two years old, but God had a plan that 35 years later I'd be right here. And we don't always know the plan and provision of God. I tell you what, this was not in my cards, guys. I did not say, hey, 35 years from now, I'm going to be pastoring at Harvest Time Church. That was nowhere on my radar, but it was definitely on God's radar. So we have to realize whatever season we're in, whatever season we've been through, God has an orchestrated plan to put you right where you need to be when you need to be there. Some of you are so frustrated because a door hasn't opened, but... The, the prime real estate of the position has not yet came to fruition. So sometimes patience and discipline and, and being content with where you're at will pay dividends. Right? Nobody likes to eat a raw cake out of the oven, right? I'd rather that thing be cooked. So sometimes wait on the Lord. Be patient with what He's doing. Know that His timing is perfect. But 35 years ago, God placed the vision and plan in Pastor Jim and Sharon's heart to birth Harvest Time Church because God had big plans for the kingdom. So we know that the birth of anything is difficult. It's laborsome, as every mother in the room can attest. Amen? So the birthing of a church, it requires labor. It requires sacrifice. And, you know, I've talked with Pastor Jim just about some of the stories, like, hey, what was the first service like? And he said, rafters were just up, no walls. They were on the slab, you know, just working through the evolutions of, of what the church was to become. But everything that is birthed by the plan of God is going to be blessed, and, the perp and, and it's going to fulfill a purpose um, uh, of what God has called it to, whether it be a church, a child, or a dream. So I don't know which one you're believing. You may say, I don't have no desires to plant a church. But I'll tell you what, if you're going to plant a church or build a church from scratch, you better hear from God. Amen? 
You, you, you can't do it without the plan of God. But maybe this morning you say, you know, I'm believing, you know, for a child. I'm believing for a, a dream to come to pass, something that God has put in your heart. Give it time. Because we know that dreams and passions and desires that God puts in our heart that are God-birthed, it just takes some time for those things to be birthed forth. But trust God for those things. But when God created the world, He set things in motion. He had a natural order, a natural law for which He did things until His return. In, in Genesis 8.22, this is how God established it. He said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night shall never cease. So what happened? God kind of took the earth and he put it on his finger, because that's how awesome God is. And he grabbed the earth, he put it on his finger, and he spun it. And he said, this is how it's going to be, to keep it on its perfect axis, to establish everything. But he said, seed time and harvest, summer and winter. Like, you know, we, we love summer, but then we kind of hate winter. We're weird. Texans are finicky. We like it warm, but we don't like it too hot. But then it gets cold and everything freezes up and we freak out. We don't know what to do with it. Right, last, last year's freeze messed everyone up. We're like, Lord, you know, we, we don't know how to do that. But these are natural orders that God put into place. But we have to realize some of these natural orders pay to our favor. I thank God that it's not hot all the time. But I thank God that it's not cold all the time. I like a little bit of both. This last week was beautiful. I'll take it all day long, turn the AC off. I open a window and my wife wanted to turn on the heat. And I'm like, no. This is God's natural order. This is how it's supposed to be. Leave the heat alone. Open the windows, woman. That's, that's how I feel. Let, let the AC rest, right? You know, it's been working all summer long. But we have to realize that this is what God has established. Now, this morning, I want to specifically look at the seed time and harvest principle. The natural laws that God established that he set forth until he returned. That there is a rule of sowing, which is planting, and there's a reaping, which is harvesting. So we have to realize that also God in his word, that he said the harvest is ready, but the workers are few. So we all have a part in bringing in the harvest and, and you know, and it will be affect, the harvest will be affected by what we have done or what we have failed to do. I'm going to unpack that just a little bit, in just a little bit, but Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 in the New Living Translation, it says, take a lesson from the ants. You lazy bones. So if you got a youth by you or you got a young adult or if you got a husband or wife, that's a good elbow nudge moment. You lazy bones is what that translation says. It says, learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler, they make them work to make them work. They labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. So the, the ultimate goal here is to labor hard your whole life and get ready for Christ's return. Now, I know that there's seasons of resting, of weariness, of rest, but we cannot live in a lifestyle of rest. Now, some of us live such busy personal lives that it's, it's affecting our spiritual impact. I'm just going to throw that out there. We are so busy, we can do no kingdom work because we're so busy doing earthly work that, that really has no kingdom reward. It's just temporary. So we have to really focus our effort and our energy and our strength on what God deemed most important. Okay? So there's a time to sow and there's a time to reap what was sown. So this process of harvesting does not come easy. And it's not brought in without first an, in, an intentional season of planting of seed. So realizing seed time and harvest... We have to realize to harvest, there has to be a seed planted. For a seed, when a seed's planted, God willing, there's a harvest, right? You, you can't have one without the other. 
But there's, there's this perfect balance to seed time and harvest, harvest and seed time, that these two interchangeably just work together. Why do they work together? Because God did it that way. He said, I established it, seed time and harvest, just like summer and winter, right? He established it. This was a natural principle that he did. Let me focus on one more thing before we jump into some of the context or the text uh, this morning. So how many of you know that a name is a powerful thing? All through the Bible, specific names were given to specific people for specific reasons. It was just like, oh, this guy looks like a John Wayne. This guy looks like a Bruce Lee. This guy looks like whatever, you know, whatever name. They were given names intentionally. But how many of you know that a name also defines who you are, but it gives you an identity? Do you know who we are? We are Harvest Time Church. And as I thought about that this week, I said, Lord, is there significance to that? Is there something bigger than just a name, just a catchy name? And I know there's a lot of churches looking for trendy names. You know, uh, we, you know, we even evaluated, should we change the name? And I said, and I really felt the Lord say, this is not the season to name change. This is th- to the season to thrive in the name that you've already been given. You realize that God is the only one that should change a name? We saw it in Scripture. Hey, you are no longer going to be called this, but you're going to be called this. So until God changes our direction, we are Harvest Time Church. And as I prepared this week, I believe that God told me specifically for Harvest Time Church that we are going to be a church that lives in a continual harvest. Now, that's a cool principle because there's seasons to sow and there's seasons to harvest. But what God is saying... We want harvest time to be in a place of continual harvest. That means we just keep on picking up, we keep on picking up, we keep on picking up. Not just to fill the church, but to fill God's house. It's so much bigger than just what you see here. Now, does this make up the body of Christ? Absolutely. But this harvest that we're talking about is a supernatural harvest. It's not a hype thing. It's just not a full church thing. It's a kingdom thing. But we have to realize in order to live in a continual harvest, there are conditions that have to be made to be met in order to ensure it. Think about that for just a moment, living in continual harvest. How many of you have ever planted a garden? A lot of work. How many of you ever planted the seed and you watered it and or it rained too much or it rained too little and you're sitting there praying, Lord. But what happened if you didn't have to do anything? And you just kind of walked the field and you picked carrots when you wanted to, you got corn when you wanted to. It, it was just there. That's what I'm talking about, where you are in a place of continual harvest. That'd be an awesome thing. I believe that God wants that of Harvest Time Church. So this morning, I want to look at how we can guarantee that harvest, but we must keep our eyes on the harvest. We can't keep our eyes on the seed. If we focus on the seed, we'll lose the impact of focusing on the harvest. How many of you get super excited about the harvest, but you got the seed in your hand? Man, I'm going to have carrots, I'm going to have I'm going to have broccoli, I'm going to have all of these things. And you look at the field, you look it's already been tilled over and you're like, I'm so excited, but in your left hand you still hold the seed. Until you plant that seed in the ground, it will never do anything. We can't be left holding seed in our hands. Whatever seed we have, we have to plant it. The sooner we plant it, the more the the, the quicker the potential for it to come to a harvest. Okay? So, so keep the harvest in mind. So think about your favorite fruit or your nut tree. Like if you're a pecan lover or whatever, you know, we know pecan trees about to start throwing all, you know, like, but think about that. Have you ever said, I want, I want fruit or I want a pecan now, but you haven't ever even planted the tree. 
You can go around kicking the grass, kicking the leaves, and say, I want pecans. Good luck. I mean, it makes no sense if you have yet to even plant a pecan tree in your yard. If you have not yet even planted a fruit tree in the vicinity of your area, right, that you, that you have that is yours. That would make no sense. But some of us are like that. We're look, going around wanting to reap a harvest, but yet we have not yet even planted a seed. Or how many of you have planted a seed and, and you're frustrated how long it's taken? You know, sometimes you're like, I didn't realize it'd take that long to plant that. And then, I mean, I'm not even going to see it. My kid's kid is going to get to enjoy it. We don't always realize the time frame. So there is a long time sometimes that it takes for a tree to produce results. What if you buy a house with a mature tree already on it? It's been there for years, and it's, it's produced pounds and pounds and pounds of fruit or nuts or whatever it is. Do you realize that you now begin to reap the benefits of a tree that was planted way before you got there? That you begin to reap the benefits of, of somebody else sowing a seed that somebody else labored for. You know, we planted a tree in our front yard, and we laughed, say, one day the kids will climb in it, or their kids' kids. It hadn't grown that fast. You know, we take pictures of it every year, but it's just a... It's slow growing, right? You know, it started about that big at the base. Now it's probably about that big. So if you look at it, there's progress, but it really is taking a long time for that to happen. You know, but, our, but uh, reaping a harvest, it, it's, it's always beneficial. But I would rather buy a home with a mature tree already on it rather than have to start from scratch. Amen? But how many of you know somebody had to start from scratch? Let's look at some of these statistics. So pecan trees can, can take four to ten years to produce. Orange trees take about three to five years to produce. Then it takes seven to eight months for it to ripen. So can you imagine the first time you see the fruit, you're like, yes. Psych, seven or eight more months. Calm down. It's not coming yet, right? You know, you keep waiting, but there is promise of it. You know, how many of you have ever planted a tree or a seed expecting to get nothing from the tree? You did that? You planted expecting to get nothing. You never did that, right? We always plant why? Expecting to get something. May it be a pumpkin seed. May it be a fruit tree. May it be whatever it is. We always plant a seed intentionally. We don't just say, well, I'm going to plant this. I'm going to water it. I'm going to nurture it. I'm going to prepare everything. And then I don't care if I get anything from it. No, after that, that point, it's a little personal. If you don't know what I'm talking you never planted nothing or tried to get something to grow, Right? It's, it, you're wanting to get a harvest, a return from it. So the reality is anytime something is planted or sown, there is always an, expectant, an expectation of reaping or getting something from it. So we sow and we know that we are, are guaranteed a harvest because the principle of sowing and reaping is because God set it up that way. So this morning, I want to look at three ways that we can keep our eye on the harvest. Don't look at the seed. If you've got that seed clenched, you say, I'm not going to let go of this. This is what God gave me. And we miss the principle of if we allow that seed to be sown, we will reap a harvest multiplied. But you can hold on to that seed, but it's better for you to open your hand and say, Lord, this little bit you've given me, I'm going to plant it. I'm going to trust you to multiply it and then see what it does in God's hand, not your hand. So the first thing we're going to look at, that you have to sow seed. So that is, that is sharing the word, that's pouring out, that's, that's the water that brings the seed to life. You know, so the second thing, we've got to gather in the harvest. And third, we've got to plant and trust God for future seed. So let's look at number one, sowing seed. 
If we are going to get a harvest, you have to sow seed. No sow seed, no get no harvest. You got it? It's just not going to work. We're not just going to get a harvest and say, oh, it's just going to... You know, isn't it funny how weeds work? You ever thought about that? Man, I didn't plant no weed seed. But yet weeds come up naturally. It's just something, you know, that, that happens. But to get good seed, you got to plant good seed. Okay? So in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So in this passage, it is equal to what you sow. It is equal, it's based on you will reap what you have sown. You want to reap more? You better sow more. Right? It's, it's, it's equal to it. You know, now, now how many of you, if, if you gave me $100 and I gave you 1000 back, you say, Pastor Noah, I'll do that all day long. Or I'll give you a dollar and you get a million. Sign me up. Where's the line? Right? It, that, that's, that's the principle. If I take this and I sow it, it multiplies. That's the principle. But we realize that those that say, you know what, I'm just going to give a little bit, what it means, you got the potential to give just a little bit more. But if you sow a lot... You have the potential to reap a lot more. Hey, you got, okay, let me stop just for a minute. I am not talking about finances this morning. Y'all looking at me like this pastor is about to tell me to give. I am talking about kingdom seed. I'm talking about heaven and hell, life or death. I'm not talking about get your wallet out and sow $100 to our ministry. I'm talking about sharing the gospel of the word, which is the seed of God, into the hearts of a stone, hall, stone hard heart. And allow the truth of God's word to penetrate that and change it forever. You good now? Everybody's good? Say, man, I didn't bring my bill. Y'all look at me like this is not an exciting thing. I saw I'm making sure we're not talking about finances. We'll talk about finances later on next month. But we have to realize that the word is the seed. It's the water that causes it to come to life. The soil is people's heart. That's what we're talking about. We got to get that seed in the heart, in the soil, so that it'll birth forth to life. We can't hold it, all right? So that's exactly what, what sowing is focused. That's what we focus on here at harvest time. You know, you know so you say, Pastor Noe, what do I do? What do I focus on? Focus on giving people Jesus. Now, we're talking about give people Jesus. Well, you receive Jesus, hopefully. And if you received it, you can give it, right? So what do we do? We, we help people know God. We help people know Jesus. We help people know the love of God. How do we do that? We tell them what Jesus did for them. That's the seed that we sow. We also give them the hope of God that we can help people and let them know, you know what, things can get better. They don't have to be bad. They don't have to be, un, un, you're unsure of what the future holds. There can be a hope and a future for you. This is the seed that we sow. This is what we pour into people. Also, we give them the gift of God, and they're like, well, how much does it cost? Man, the best part, guess what? It was free. Now, it cost Jesus a whole lot. It was a big sacrifice for God, but guess what? He knew you'd be worth it. This is the seed that we sow into the heart of a sinner. This is the seed that we sow in hopes that it would multiply. This is the word that is spoken so that it will cause deaf ears to hear. It's all interchangeable. The word, the seed that I'm talking about is the truth of God's word. Now, I don't know how many of you say, Pastor, I thought that's a pastor's job. That is every single believer's job. I cannot reach the people that you can reach. But God has put specific seed in your pocket to scatter. You know, we all have seed. 
thought I was talking about money because you'd say, we all ain't got money, Pastor Noe. I'm talking about the seed of eternal life. And I got plenty of that seed because you know what? God's storehouse is full. So I take from the Father and He gives to me and I scatter it. So what happens when I throw my last seed? I ask God for more. I keep scattering that seed in hopes to reach a harvest. But how much? We don't have to just hope. We know that if we scatter the seed of God's Word, it will produce results. Amen? If I got a Christian in here, you can attest to that. Amen? Amen. The Word of God always works. The more you sow, the more potential. The less you sow, the less the potential. How many of you know to catch a fish, you actually have to go fishing? Man, I sure would like to catch a fish. Well, good luck doing that from your couch. It's just never going to happen. Same thing with reaching souls, sharing the gospel. You actually got to do the work. You got to open your mouth. You got to say something. To save souls, you actually have to share the gospel and the goodness story of Jesus. Now, if you can't communicate that, has your life really been changed? Do you really know the truth of what God has done for you? It's not rocket science. Salvation is super easy. I'm talking about death, burial, resurrection. He loves you. He'll forget. He'll he'll clean up all your mess. He loves you just like you are. That's the kind of God we serve. That's Jesus. Hey, you want to know him? You're like, well, that sounds not very educated. Don't got to be educated. Simple. God made it that way. But if you have the greatest gift and you got seed in your pocket, scatter the seed. All right. We've got to know even that Romans 2, 4, it says the kindness of God is what leads people to a place of repentance. People do not know God for who he really is. Anytime something bad happens, they blame God. Now, sometimes when good things happen, guess what? Oh, God's so good. Well, we got bipolar understanding of who God is because either he's good or he's bad. Either he's God or he's not. Either he falls off his throne or he's very secured in his position. Right, we have to know who God is, even when we don't understand everything. But we have to realize that God is good, but His kindness is what draws us to that place of repentance. So you keep sowing the word, and you ask God to prepare the soil. You keep sharing. You just don't say, man, that dude's hard, hard, as, hard as a rock. It's okay. God softens the soil. You speak the word. You, got, you hear me? You keep doing it. It don't matter. Well, pastor, it's hitting the wall and coming right back. The word of God, it says it penetrates deep into an individual. It, it, it causes a callous heart to be severed and separated where it can penetrate. Guess what? You was one too. Your heart was hard and callous. It says he takes your heart of stone and he gives you a heart of flesh. The soil is up to God. But I thank God somebody was preaching the gospel to me. Went to youth camp one time and they said, you know, you can't make it to heaven on your mom and dad's, you know, bill. I said, man, that was my plan. <laughs> because my parents are Christians, I thought I could go to heaven. And he says, you got to know God for you. Guess what? It hit the heart and it caused a sever. And that truth of God's word went into my heart and it changed everything. And you know what it was? I said, Lord, man, I just got educated. Been in church my whole life. And you know how it started? I said, God. I want to know you for me. Everything changed. So, well, that wasn't the Romans road, and that wasn't, that's all I said, Lord. I don't know how this works, but I want to know you for me. And then God began to work in my heart. He began to change my life. So realize, you keep sowing the word, allow God to prepare the soil. There's sometimes a pavement, hard as a rock heart, but sometimes there's fertile soil. We got to realize the difference. Because there is times to speak, 
And there are times to be quiet, but when God asks you to speak, please speak with all boldness. Just because somebody's heart was hard doesn't mean that it is still hard. Just because someone was not listening, they might be listening that day. How many of you know life conditions cause the heart to soften in different seasons? Where all of a sudden you want to listen. <laughs> Brother, tell me, my life's, I messed it all up. Because most of us know what happens when we do it our way and the road it leads to, right? We can get in a pretty bad spot. We're like, hey, man, I'll listen to anybody. Get to that place of humility where now the heart is opened. The, the, the mind is even receptive to the things of God rather than rejecting the things of God. So it's our job to share the word. It's God's job to soften the heart. John 4, uh, 6, 44, it says, No one can come to the Father unless the Father draws him. So it's not me enticing you. It's not me just kind of having a six-point sermon that is perfect. It is the Spirit of God drawing you to him. I'm just the voice that speaks the word. But it's God that softens the heart. So we know that sometimes the heart is hard where there's no penetration. Sometimes there's another example. It says that the heart is like a rocky place where shallow roots come, where it just doesn't stick because of the shallowness. And then there's, there's another example of where it says there's thorns that actually, as the, as the plant begins to grow, it actually chokes it out. And it says this is the cares of the world when, they, when they still love the things of the world and not, they're not forsaking the things of the world and truly loving the things of God. There's kind of this lukewarmness. That's what I see that as. It's like, hey, I want all the world, but I want all Jesus. doesn't work that way. You can have all Jesus and then you start not caring about the things of the world. But as long as the worldly pleasures are your focus, it's impossible to find Jesus. So it says you've got to leave all of that. But then there's that good soil, that soft heart, a heart who hears, it accepts, and it actually says that it multiplies. So when we, when we sow seed, we got to ask God and believe God for the greatest multi multiplication. I love high multiplication, right? If I have one and God says times 10, I got 10 now. If he says times 10, times 100, what I got now? Man, I like that kind of multiplication. I don't like one, one. One. How many of you know it's hard to work for a dollar an hour? Who'd rather work for 10 or who'd rather work for 100? Give me 100, right? We want more results for our work. So this is what it says. It says in Mark, Mark 4, 8, it says, Some seed multiplied 30%, some multiplied 60%, and some multiplied 100% the amount. So we have to realize that it's really up to God, but I'm going to ask God for 100% return. Lord, I pray that every plant I seed is on spiritual miracle grow. Every word that I speak causes it to come to life. Lord, you do the work. You sprinkle it with grace. You help me be effective. You help me know what to say and what not to say. But I'm going to scatter seed every moment I got. I want people, when I leave the room, to see seed all over the place. They'd be like, man, what in the world's going on? Man, we said I had a pastor walking through here where seed is continually scattered. Right? Because we know that the birds of the air can pick up that seed. And destroy it, but what happens if an unbeliever picks up that seed? Changes the heart forever. So word, the word is the seed that causes faith unto salvation. There's always life in the seed. There's always life in the word. You say, well, I don't know a whole lot of scriptures. Well, just keep quoting the same one. Start with John 3.16. Say, it's the only passage I know. All right, keep sharing that. Allow God to change the soil. You just keep speaking the word. So how do we ensure a future for harvest of a harvest? 
Number one, we keep sowing the word. We tell people about Jesus. Secondly, we ask God to work in the hearts of men. So this is a request that we ask. We say, God, change their heart. And we believe God's word and we're obedient in faith, trusting that we will, we will have a harvest. So number one, we sow seed. Number two, we got to realize in keeping our eyes on the harvest that right now the harvest is ready. I'm talking right now while we're sitting in church, we could go and impact Bay City and get outside the four walls of the church and people would be saved. You're like, so should we do that? Man, I don't know. I've been praying about that, saying, Lord, do we, what, like, I see the value of being inside the four walls, but if we got to get outside, we got to get outside of the four walls at some point, because God says right now, the harvest is ready. Matthew 9, 37 through 38. He said, uh, that then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And it says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest. John 4, 35-37, this is in the Passion Translation. It says, As the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, Why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look, all of the people are coming. Now is harvest time. Look what it says. It says, Their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain ready for a harvest. Everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. But those who plant spiritual seed... And those who reap spiritual seed, they'll celebrate together with great joy. Verse 37, it says, And this confirms the saying that one sows, and sows a seed and another reaps a harvest. So when we look at that passage, that hearts are ready. You know, a spiritual seed has been poured out. There's a spiritual harvest available. And the hearts are right, right now. I really like how it said it. It says, the people are coming. Now is harvest time. I almost see where people are saying, what do I got to do to be saved? You know, we've had a lot of uh, people that have called lately and said, hey, you know, I just came to Revelation. I don't know the Lord. And, you know, now I'm choosing to follow him. Pastor Noe, can I be baptized? And it's just been these random like, hey, Pastor, what do I do now? It's like, what? I, they're, they're coming after me. I'm ready to get right. What do I need? It's, hey, you know, we've been having a hard time in our marriage. What do we need? We'll come to church. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Right, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to give them what I know, but they're hungry, they're thirsty, they're desperate. All I'm kind of is just kind of guiding them because they're wanting to pursue Jesus. Man, that's an, I mean, I've never seen that. God, because that's because God begins to do the work in the hearts. You know, it's, it's like, it's really like, hey, we can go get the harvest and we can cut it, we can wrap it, we can throw our shoulders and, and bring it back and put it in the, in the storehouse. But it's almost like some of us got to hold the door open because the harvest is running in by itself. There's some people that are just ready. And Lord, help us to see those moments. Help us to see those people. You realize that the church has all the answers. The Bible has all the answers to everything that we need to know. If you look on Facebook, I mean, Facebook is getting crazy out there. And somebody will ask a question, and I like looking at the responses. It's like, hey, tell me this. And it's like, wow, we got a lot of, honey, well, I don't know. It might be some of y'all responding, so I got to be careful. Uh, we got some interesting responses to answers to life. But I tell you what, if every single one of your responses are biblical, then their beef is with God, not with you. It's not a party. It's not political. It has nothing to do with my agenda, your agenda, or offending anyone. It was the standard that God established. You know, it's, it's not, you know, it's like, Pastor, you preached a hard word. No, it's just God's word. I'm sorry. It says it's like a two-edged sword that will penetrate a hard heart because that was, his, that was his plan. He knew that we had calloused hearts. But he has already begun to do the work, and he has already penetrated hearts, and it's already beginning to bear fruit where the hearts are actually ready for the harvest now. 
Because of the word, not because of Facebook posts, not because of persuasive person saying, oh, well, I think da 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 da. Idiots. It's scriptural. It's the Bible that changes those hearts, okay? But we have to gather in the harvest. So that, that's, that's our main thing. Gather in the harvest now with all urgency. You realize a fruit can't pick itself off the vine and it's the harvester's job? I started thinking, going down that, that thought process this week. I said, Lord, they can't shake themselves loose sometimes. Like, you know, and then it hits the ground, but it doesn't even get into the storehouse where God wanted it. Right? You know, I started going through all of these things. So in this passage, we have to realize that it's not a lack of good fruit. It's a lack of workers. It's a lack of willing people that say, Lord, I will co-labor with you. I will preach the word. I will share the truth of God's word to the world. I'll share the same scripture that Pastor Noe told me to memorize a hundred times so that I might be a part in bringing in the harvest. Workers are lacking, not ripe fruit. It says, ask God to send out workers. We pray and ask God for this. You know, then I started thinking a little bit further. What about unharvested crop that doesn't make it to the barn? Man, and it started concerning me. I said, oh, if it's ready to harvest, but the harvesters don't get it, and it is not in the storehouse when Jesus comes back, what happens to that fruit? I'm going to ask Jesus when I get there, don't, so I don't have the answer. But I started thinking about that. I said, Lord, what if that fruit is there? And then I started thinking about anything that's not in the Father's storehouse, it doesn't matter. Somebody's got to go get the harvest. Somebody's got to go get the fruit. Guess what? That is you, and that is me. That's who he is called to be harvesters. Once you have been harvested, you become the harvester. And God's multiplication model begins to work. Where I get one, and you get one, and I got three. Hey, I got a basket. Cool, let's throw ten in there. Let's get it back to my father's storehouse. And then I started thinking, fruit has an unripe season, it has a ripe season, and then it has a rot season. I said, okay, Lord, what does that mean? I think many people who God desired us to reach, we let rot on the vine. And now they hate the church. They were there. Their hearts were pliable to the truth. And we did nothing. We didn't care. We walked by and said, no, nah, get yourself off the vine. Because we were so worried about getting to church. We were so worried about, hey, at least I got picked off the vine. But we, realized, we didn't realize that somebody else picked us. Somebody else reached out to us. And they rot on the vine. I've talked to some people, man, they, they don't say they hate the church, but they've been wounded so bad by the church, they don't have anything to do with the church. And I, I'm kind of like, man, I, I feel like that's personal. I'm a pastor, and I said, I'm sorry, and well, it's not everybody, you know, I know it's people. I was like, yeah, but you're still calling it the church. But I thought about that, I said, God, could that be the ones? Just food for thought, hey, this ain't doctrine, this ain't something, this biblical, I just started thinking about that. What about the fruit left on the vine? What if it starts rotting? What if we didn't pick it in time? That's on us, right? We got to do that, especially when it's ripe and it's ready. We got to do our part. We got to bring in the fruit. All right, so number one, we sow seed. Secondly, we gather in the harvest. The harvest is ready now. Number three, we got to understand that the principle of inherited harvest Okay, so this is faith in future seed, not just that I'm going to have a return now, but generations and generations to come will inherit what I have planted. 
Okay, so we, you have to, this is bringing in what you didn't work for. This is the promise and the guarantee. If we, if we look at John three thirty eight, it says, I have sent you out to the harvest field that you haven't planted where many others have labored long and hard before you, and now you are privileged to profit from their labor and reap this harvest. This is in the pra- uh, passage translation. Now, let me tell you what. This, my friends, is the, is the inheritance, is the heritage of Harvest Time Church. We are reaping and we are in a field of something we didn't even plant. And there is ripe fields all around us. But somebody scattered seeds, somebody sacrificed time and sweat and work so that we could have what we have today. That's the legacy. That's where we're at. We have to realize that. The most, this, is, this is the most exciting and the easiest way to be a part of the harvest. Do you realize that? Pastor Jim walking up looking saying, man, that's a nice rice field. I wonder what it could be. That's how it started. It was donated. It was given. Man, prime real estate right here on the crossroads is perfect. Thank God it's not right in the middle of the pasture over here and we've got to get a little dirt road to get to it. It's right here on the road. But somebody had to start with nothing so that we could have an abundance. And that's the legacy of Harvest Time Church, receiving a harvest that we did nothing for except just be a part of it. But it's the most exciting part. So let me, let me give you a word of caution about the season we're in and the place we are at as a church. Don't get so comfortable bringing in the harvest that you neglect to continually scatter new seed. As you harvest, keep scattering. That's the only way we ensure a continual harvest. So this is what it looks like. We harvest it, we cut it, we throw it over our shoulders, we grab the seed, we throw it behind us, and we take a step. So as we harvest, we are also planting seed. It's twofold. If we just harvest... We're going to have a lot of wait time. Where's that harvest at? I don't know. We picked it all up. Well, where's the seed? It's still in my pocket. Idiot. Let's scatter seed as we go. That's what I was saying. I said, Lord, how do we continually do this? It's one thing to have a harvest, but how do we continually ensure that harvest? We get the seed out of our pocket. We scatter that seed. Well, how much? Whatever you got. Whatever you got faith to believe for. Whatever God has given you, let it scatter. New seed is the only way to, that, that produces a long legacy of seed for your children's children. So the seed that we sow today will be reaped in the future. We can guarantee that. Now, whether it be in our lifetime or in the lifetimes of the future generation, it's after you, that's up to God. But I believe that God can really cause the effectiveness of our seed to be multiplied quickly. We talk about that 30, that 60, that 100% return. I want that 100% and I want it done. I want it as fast as possible because every single day we're one closer, one day closer to Jesus' return. There is an urgency. It's not just the pastor and it's not just the evangelist. It's not just the church folk that are on the platform that are responsible for the harvest. You know why the harvesters are few? Because we're the only ones doing it. Y'all would have got up and led, but you really want turkey, don't you? Just plan. Come on. If it's your first time here, I throw jokes in there all the time. It's not personal. I love you, really. But it's really all of our responsibility. You know, this, this year was really interesting with this Thanksgiving dinner because, like, I feel like I did, like, almost nothing. I'm like, we're having it, right? Yeah, we're having it. But everybody, a whole bunch of other people are doing the work. And it's like, 
Nobody's going to drop the ball, right? Like, that's the, as the pastor, that's the concern I have. Like, we got everything we need. We got enough turkeys. We got enough seating. We got the parking lot. We got it all. I mean, because my, you know, I am a, if you know me, I am a planner to the detail. And it's kind of like, hey, they're the workers in the field. I sit there and say, no, 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 let me do it. But then guess what? It's back to me working in the field. But if we're to get the results that God wants, guess what? I am going to empower every single of you to be every single one of you to be co-laborers in the field of, of the kingdom. I commission you today that God needs you. He wants you. The church cannot succeed without us. All right, let me get back to these notes and wrap this up so we can go have some Thanksgiving. You know, this is the, called the Thanksgiving stretch. Getting you ready. Thanksgiving stretch. So we are guaranteed that we'll reap a harvest in the future. God's promises of seed time, seed time and harvest. Realize this principle only works if the seed is in the ground, if the seed is sown. What if you could ensure, you know, if you ask any farmer or whatever, like let's say the seed that you plant requires a rain. What if you could guarantee the rain was going to come? How foolish would you be to keep that seed not planted? Very foolish, right? Now I'm talking about the perfect rain. I'm not talking an abundance flood. I'm talking about the perfect rain to make that crop have a hundredfold harvest. We, with all urgency, would be planting that seed as fast as we can. Well, guess what? Just like the rain is coming, Jesus is coming back. And we got to get that seed into the heart of men that they might be saved. Get them into the storehouse. Because when he comes up, guess what? The alarm goes off. The time is up. What has been harvested will go into eternal life. It says that will be swept away. There is a heaven. There is a hell. This, is a, this, is, this scares me. You know, as a pastor, it's like, Lord, do we need to do more? Do we need to preach to different people? I know a, most of these people, by the grace of God, have a relationship. What about those that don't? That's why as we go from this place, you are the mouthpiece. You are the seed scatterer. I hope to God I fill your pockets up with seeds of faith this morning. And that you go and say, I don't know what to do with this seed, but Pastor Noise is scattering. And you just begin to throw it everywhere. And it begins to impact the world. And we begin to see all of the churches full in Bay City. This ain't just a harvest time thing, guys. This is a kingdom thing. You realize if all the lost begin to get saved, we don't have enough churches in Bay City to facilitate all the people? Everybody's trying to get their church full with the people already saved. And we're missing the point. Because that wasn't the goal. That wasn't even the mission. Didn't say keep preaching, preaching, preaching to the, to the saved that they might become more saved. He says go preach to the lost that they might know. Go to the, all the ends of the earth. Heal the sick. Tell the testimony. Tell them who I am. Give them my seed. And let it produce fruit. You know, when we plant seed, it causes our focus to move from trusting in ourselves and to trust into God. Because you don't have control of the seed anymore. You actually plant that seed. And when we plant it, we have to trust God that you're going to work it out. You're going to cause it to grow. You're going to cause it to do everything that you said it would do. Ecclesiastes 11.6, it says, sow, sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let your hands not be idle. For you do not know which ones will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. It does not matter if the seed works or does not work. Our responsibility is to scatter it. Well, they don't listen to me, Pastor Noe. That's not what the instruction was. The instruction was to share the truth of God's word. 
If they reject it, that's fine. They're rejecting Christ. Don't take it personal. Don't get mad. Don't shrink back. Keep sharing God's word. You got to know this morning that God will always use and probably has used even in the past uh, what you actually have in your hands. You're so desperate to get more, but you haven't even sown what God has already given you. You know, it's like, Lord, give me more. But you, you got the one little seed in your hand and you can't. It's just going to fall to the ground. But if you sow that seed, then it gives you a chance to open your hands back up where God can pour out more. But let me tell you what, if God will, can get it through you, he'll get it to you. He'll do that. God will give you whatever resource you need to impact his kingdom. Everyone has seed available to them. You can hold on to what you got and limit its potential, or you can sow it and, and watch it be multiplied. Think of the story of the fish and the loaves. Shared it with the worship team this morning. I said, you know, they took what they had, and they said, this is all we got. And God multiplied. But if you look at that story, you, you realize that when it's talking about the, uh, the, the two fish and the five loaves, I think it was, you know, because there was two times. There's two different scriptures in, in Matthew, but it says, one of the times... It was actually, it said, this boy has two fish and a few loaves. They took a boy's fish and loaves from him. It's like, Samuel, give me your fish and your loaves. We ain't even got it. He's got it. I need your loaves. And he's like, Dad. And God multiplied that. I didn't even have it, but the kid had it. But how many, how many of you know that the kid is willing to give up two fish and a few loaves? How many people benefited from that? 4,000 or 5,000, depending on which story you're looking at. From something super insignificant. You cannot underestimate the power of the seed that's available to you. But if you sow it, allow God to multiply it. I'm going to close with this uh, quick little story. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's an older movie, but it's called Faith Like Potatoes. You ever seen it? Haven't seen it? I don't even know where you can get it. It was back in, I think, 96, 2006. Way back, 2006 seems right. Um, but it's a story about this farmer, and he goes to this Central Africa, and you know he, he has a hardship after hardship after hardship. And the, the name of the movie is Faith Like Potatoes, but there's this moment in the movie where God speaks to him, and he says, hey, you should plant potatoes. It's like this random, like, what do we do? And the land looked bad and all, all these things. It didn't look promising. And he actually talked to a scientist, like a land expert. He says, listen, he says, this time of year, it will not grow. It's too dry. It won't work. He says, well... I hear what you're saying. Then another one said, there, there's a close line between, you know, um, faith and foolishness. Everything was against him. All his buddies that he was sitting around with were discouraging it. But he said, well, you know, God has proven faithful in the past. So they looked at him and they said, he said, I'd rather trust God. So they plant these potatoes and uh, they never turn the dirt over. They never look at it. And uh, there's this really powerful part in the movie where they said hey tomorrow we're going to harvest and uh, a guy goes up he goes well have you looked he's like we're just trusting God so you hadn't turned none of the dirt over to see if it's going to happen can you put up that picture of how the potatoes multiply so you plant one potato and under the surface of the ground they begin to multiply now in the right favorable conditions it will always multiply but he was in central Africa and when he walked along the fields all of the all the stalks were laid down it looked dead the other guy actually picked it up and he kind of taunted him a little bit and said look how do you even know and he said I'm going to trust God 
So the next day, he tells all the workers, says, get up early, gather around. And he says to the worker, thank you for working with me and partnering with me. He says, but you know what? We're going to pray that God would bless the harvest before we even know what's in the ground. So he, does, he says this little simple prayer. And they kind of shrug their shoulders. It's going to be an all in or all out. So he gets the hoe and he digs into the dirt. And he flips it once, doesn't see anything, flips it again and pulls out one ginormous potato. It is full to the brim full of a harvest. So what's the principle of that story, Pastor Noe? That farmer from the outside couldn't tell what was happening under the ground. We don't know what's happening in the heart of men, but we know God calls us to what? Plant the seed. To plant the word. And it's up to him to produce the results and to produce the change. Can you stand up with me? I always like to leave you with a challenge point before you get out, out of here. So in keeping your eyes on the harvest, you might say, so now what, Pastor Noe? What do I do? Here's what I want us to do. Please sow seed. Say, so Pastor Noe, I don't know that much scripture. Start reading it. Write it, memorize it, and have one that you communicate to people. Share the one that spoke to you the most. Share your testimony. All of these things work. This is all a, a way of scattering seed. I was lost, but now it's found. I was an addict, and now I'm not. I cussed like a sailor, and now it, it makes me cringe when I accidentally cuss. Like whatever, you know, whatever it is, share your testimony. It will lead people, guess what, to the cross. So sow seed. Secondly, please help me bring in the harvest. We collectively need all of us to bring that in. I really believe that if every believer became, once they were harvested, they become the harvester, we wouldn't have a worker issue. You realize that? Because we're all harvesters. Share this last little point. You cannot sow what you do not have. And that's a scary thing. You'd be like, I don't know what to say, Pastor Noe. I don't know how to tell other people about Jesus. But what is it that you have received? Because if you don't know anything about the gospel, and you don't know anything about Jesus, and you just call yourself a Christian, you need to really understand what you profess your life to. But if you have it, guess what? This is the cool thing. What you have received, you can give away. You can say it horribly, and God will work out the details. I remember one time, Becky and I, we were doing street evangelism. And we got trained on how to share the gospel, how to do the outline, all of these things. Well, guess what? Pastor Noe butchered that thing all kinds of crazy. I started here, and then I jumped here, and I called it the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit. But I was nervous out of my mind. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm a, my wife loves me, so I can tell this story. She, she was judging me in her heart. She says, there is no way this person's going to receive Jesus because you messed it up. True story. And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just doing the best I can with the seed I got. Well, at the end, when it got to the linchpin question, do you want to receive Jesus? With all heartedness said, absolutely. So it doesn't matter of how we scatter the seed. The main thing is what? We scatter that seed. And we allow God change the heart.
So this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you cannot give seed you have not yet received. So that's up to you. I don't, I don't want to just say, hey, let's pray over the Thanksgiving. Let's get out of here and let's have a party. Because the party would not be completed if there is someone in this room that does not know Jesus. I've preached too hard this morning to just let you off and say it's not a big deal. Because even this morning, in this room, the field is white with harvest. And if you're one of those that said, Lord, I need you, this message is for you today. It was for the church folk, but it was also for those who don't know Jesus this morning. Because Jesus loves me, and Jesus loves you. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you are. If you thought you were just coming for Thanksgiving, celebration, a 35-year anniversary, and today you got the chance to meet Jesus. Every eye closed real quick. Let me pray for you. If you're here this morning, you say, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. I'm not serving him the way I need to. I need to make that decision today to follow him. Can you just slip your hand up and then put it back down for me? Anybody in the room? Okay, I see your hands. You can put them back down. Anybody else? Said, I got to make a choice. Man, you got me all kinds of afraid of this heaven hell thing. I don't know what to do, but I, I think the answer is Jesus. If that's you this morning, lift your hand up one more. Anybody else? All right. God wants to give you seed this morning that will penetrate deep into your heart. Lord, help me. You know, following Jesus, it's a bold thing. It's not a passive thing. If you raise your hand, I want you to move right now and come to the front. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer, and then we're going to close this thing out. If you raised your hand, and you're bold enough to say, I'm going to follow Jesus for the rest of my life. It was real easy to slip your hand up and slip it down. But now the rubber meets the road. If you say, Pastor Noah, I'm serious about that. I raised my hand, but I want to follow him with all my heart. Come on, move quickly. Come on. Anybody else give you just a second? I want each of you that came forward to look at me just for a moment. One of the biggest decisions you will ever make is to follow Jesus with all abandonment. Whatever the cost, whatever the course, whatever it looks like. You know, Jesus passed by and he says, hey, come follow me. But it was up to each of those to continually follow. And to continually follow. To be a disciple means to follow him. Not just to know Jesus, but to call him king and lord of your life. So let's all pray collectively, but mainly you guys up front, just repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I choose you. I may not look like much, but I know I look like a lot to you. I ask for forgiveness. I believe you died 
and that you raised from the dead and that you've forgiven me. You've covered everything, anything I will ever do. But today, I choose you to follow you, to place you as king of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It says that the fields are white with harvest. Even within the four walls of the church. I thought everybody was saved, Pastor Noe. That's not always the case. But let's go from this place and bring in the harvest together. Can you commit to do that? Say, so God help me, I'll try. Let me bless you and we'll get out of here. We'll pray for the food. Um, If we got the prayer teams, if you can just team up with any of these and see if there's anything specific that you can pray for them about. and just uh, We'll have some ministry time uh, immediately following the dismissal. And I'll get Becky to kind of work through all the logistics of how we're going to dismiss. But let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for your goodness. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are working in our hearts, that you are changing our lives. Father, I pray that you would help us be more and more like you. Father, as we go from this place, Lord, I pray that we would be people that would scatter seed, that we would share your word. Father, we'll scatter the seed. You deal with the soil. You deal with the heart. And Father, I pray that in Bay City, Matagorda County, all of the areas that you've given us authority over and influence in, Father, I pray that we would do our part and bring in the harvest, that your barns would be full of people. Lord, as we go from this place, bless each one. Father, I pray for this food, that it be nourished in our body. I pray that you'd bless the hands that prepared it. Father, as we spend time just uh, fellowshipping, that was a big part of what you did all through Scripture. As we spend time fellowshipping, Lord, if there are guests in this house, I pray that they would feel right at home. Because at your table, God, there is plenty of room for sinner or for saint. Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Father, I bless the rest of this time. And Father, I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.